0: For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered.
1: Hi, my name is Jessica, and I wanted to drop a little audio for Wade's podcast to talk about my experience with Form Centered in the City. Uh, so far, my experience has been nothing but positive. It's full of quality content. It's really well-rounded. It has really good meditations healthy recipes, Pilates, even journal prompts. And then she also does a monthly connection call that kind of takes you deeper into topics and gives you some actionable items if you wanna take it further. But one thing I really like about the monthly calls is it's at your own pace. It's recorded. So if you can't make the call, you can just watch it whenever you can get time. The newsletters that she sends out in the email are minimal. I think they're only once a week, uh, but they're really helpful and they highlight things that are new on the platform. So I really love that. In general, I just love knowing that I have a central space to go to to cherry pick what I am feeling up for or feeling like I need to you know create for for myself whether it's uh, some movement in my body or a uh, guided meditation to kind of settle my mind and get me started or journal prompts if I'm feeling like I need some help with direction but overall it's just a really good resource for so many things and it's nice to know that I have one central location to pick from and I don't have to worry about a bunch of different subscriptions or where I go for what and things like that. So yeah, if you haven't given it a try, I highly recommend it. Thanks, Jessica, for sharing your words and your experience
0: with Centered in the City. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. On today's episode, I get to chat with a friend and a wellness expert, Lilia who also is the founder of Love Collective which is a platform to find and book wellness experiences for private events such as bachelorette parties or wedding events. A little bit about Lilia is that she created the Love Collective after spending years teaching yoga and realizing that there is an opportunity and a need to infuse more wellness into wedding events. I wanted to have Lilia on the podcast to explore The practice of getting engaged, getting married, all of the planning and the collaboration and the emotions and the stress and the tension that comes along with this beautiful and joyous experience that can go haywire. It's really interesting as we navigate this next chapter of the pandemic, as things are opening up and people are having bigger events and gatherings, weddings are making a comeback in a big way. I don't know about you, but I have many weddings the next four months. And I did a little research and in 2022, there are supposed to be 2.6 million weddings which is up from 2019, prior to the pandemic, when there was about 2.2 million weddings. This data was estimated from the If you're familiar with this wedding website, and the data makes sense. You know, people have not been able to celebrate on the scale that they want to celebrate, and so here is this opportunity. It's kind of like. You know, the doors have been closed and now it's busting open and everybody's rushing in. The wait list for churches and venues and planners and everything has gotten even longer. On the podcast, Lily and I, both wellness practitioners who've been in this game for many years, get real and raw about how this journey was very uncentering and how we worked with it. And I think there's this expectation that it has to go perfectly, that if we are not staying centered and completely present throughout the whole journey, then we're doing it wrong. And so I really wanted to have this conversation with Lilia to just normalize whatever your experience is, to allow it to happen, and just to trust your own journey, and to try not to get caught up in what you think it should look like or should be, because That is such a big trap that we can fall into from the marketing world, from all of the pressure we receive from family and our cultures. So I hope you take away lots and get to just be inspired by your own wisdom. Settle in and let's get centered. Lilia, welcome to the Center of the City podcast.
2: Thank you,
0: I'm so excited to be here with you. I love that you are doing this podcast from Mexico, from Puerto Escondido, one of my favorite new places in Mexico. So, so fun to have this conversation. <laughs> right before I hit record, we were talking about how we met. And what and one of the questions that I like to start with guests is like, tell us about a time that you weren't centered. And I'm gonna kind of transition this into how we met because you and I met because you're starting this love collective, which was geared towards supporting people, you know, navigating weddings and, and staying centered. And so just tell us about a time that you weren't centered when going through your own wedding planning
2: or marriage building process. <laughs> Yes, um, pretty much like the whole engagement, I was like not centered, (laughs) so we can talk about that. Yeah, I would say when I was wedding planning, and so this was back in 2017, and yeah, married almost four years, engaged probably five, Um, but back in 2017, um, the whole, I was like the first out of my friends to get married, like pretty much the first out of my family, like of my generation. So, so much of like the wedding culture and traditions and expectations were all, like everything all of a sudden was piled upon me and I wasn't really aware of how to handle it all. Um, And at that time I had a really strong wellness practice. So I would practice yoga like daily or meditation, Um, but even those practices like weren't enough to keep me centered. It was only like once I started therapy where I was like, oh, that would have really helped me during that time. Yeah, so there was a lot of little things though that going through the whole wedding process was really nail in terms of expectations um, like culturally or from parents or around like even the guest list that had me like extremely stressed out.
0: Tell us a little bit more about the expectations, cultural and societal expectations and gender expectations that you've experienced mm-hmm. because I can totally relate to having my own an un- centered wedding experience that I'll share too
2: yeah um so for context I am Persian and then my husband um is white and grew up like Catholic um I didn't really grow up with religion but Persian culture itself is like there's a lot of strong cultural traditions um and both of our parents were also like helping with the wedding as well which I think just for like all future brides like it's really important to understand like how that might shift expectations um when you are having family support versus not (laughs) so um I think in terms of expectation though like Persian weddings in general are really big and so my parents like expected me to do the same or like when it did come to guest list stuff like Persian culture, Persian culture is very much like oh that person's version like they're your cousin so it's pretty much like oh you gotta invite like the whole community um <laughs> so all of those really new to me because at first I wanted like a really small wedding and then realized that quickly that wasn't possible just given like with who I wanted to invite but also with the cultural expectations um and then there's like a whole other bit around you know like religion and the wedding um I didn't grow up religious but my husband did and so if we we kind of did a two-part wedding where we first did more of a traditional like more western um like ceremony with my one of my best friends that's actually a pastor so it worked out really well because he's like my second dad and then after that we did more of a Persian wedding but at first uh, because Quinn and I are not religious we weren't sure if we should we didn't necessarily want a religious ceremony but to honor like his family's background as well as if we were going to do mine, then we wanted to honor his and it was trying to figure out how to weave both like a multicultural wedding together with like also a lot of opinionated people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Multicultural weddings and traditions and different voices and, and opinions and Mm -hmm. emotions get thrown into the mix with weddings and It's so interesting because, you know, I think weddings have gotten, of course, it's this multi-million dollar industry, right, that it's become, and it didn't used to be that way. And it's gotten bigger and bigger. And, you know, my husband and I had a similar, but also kind of like opposite experience where our parents supported us in contributed to the wedding, but they were very hands-off and kind of Two hands off to the point where it felt like we had so much freedom and choice, which was a blessing, but also kind of that like guidance of like, where do you go? What do you do? You know, do do they have people they want to invite? They didn't really, which was great, but also kind of, you know, it just was complicated. I think when in American culture and Western society, there is this like pressure and image of what a wedding should look like. Can you tell us a little bit more of what you hear and experience from people in the Love Collective as they're planning for their wedding? Because like I know you have had different iterations of services that you used to mm-hmm. offer and still offer how you gear people up for celebrations and bachelorette parties, but mm-hmm. you know what are those ways that they get to work with that
2: yeah, it's an interesting question because so when I first started Love Collective, I was really focused on like, okay, weddings are really stressful. People need these wellness services for their weddings. And that was my big thing because that was how I was feeling. And I was like, I'm in the wellness space working as a wellness practitioner and I need these services. Like how are other people coping? But what I kind of found, which is really ironic, is that people like society and people like almost expect the wedding stress. It's kind of a norm that people, even though like 95% of brides have like expressed that their stress, there's like some big study on that. People aren't necessarily willing to change that, which mm. for me was really strange because are like willing to maybe like pay or invest to help with their stress. It was almost like an expected, like societal expectation that like you're going to be really stressed during the wedding. Um,
0: so just kind of so like so it, suck it up.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Suck it up or like not a big deal. Like you don't need to care for yourself almost, um, mm. which is clearly like you should. And so Love Collective has since pivoted into bringing wellness into the events. It's more from a different angle now. So we provide experiences at bachelorette parties that are kind of alternative wellness experiences. Like if you wanted an astrologer to come give a workshop or a tarot party or sound healing, psychics or yoga. So we have a handful of different services, but I'm finding that people are bringing in like some aspect of wellness into their celebration weekend or like their wedding. Hands down, like even if that person's not like the most wellnessy person, like a lot of our brides aren't necessarily you know, like you know avid wellness people themselves, but they understand the importance of like infusing something that taps into kind of like inner healing or inner work or like physical movement for their bachelor experience or their wedding. So. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I think it's really cool just to see people infusing it a lot more. Um, when I first started a few years ago, it definitely was newer, and I feel like people didn't necessarily um, add these services right away. But now it seems kind of like a given if you're planning a bachelorette weekend that you're going to, like, have a yoga class at some point or do something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bachelorette. At- in a week and we're mm-hmm. going to do Pilates, of course, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, on the day of, and then for my wedding weekend, and again, weddings turned from, you know, an afternoon event, evening mm-hmm. event to like a whole weekend experience. <laughs> but for my wedding weekend, I, w- I like wish you were around, Love Collective was around then because I wanted people to be in their bodies. The day of Mm -hmm. I wanted to offer that sense of connection and community that a movement class can offer. And we got married in Santa Barbara, and I didn't really know anybody in Santa Barbara. And so to find a yoga teacher down there just like felt random, you know, and you you get attached to your teachers. And so my sister ended up teaching the the yoga class because she is a yoga teacher but i wish that i could have had like a trusted resource like love collective to go to to know that i was going to get mm-hmm. a quality teacher in those moments because it does create this kind of grounding community collective that i think can be really important if if that's your thing if that, if mm-hmm. you know if that's what your vision is to create for your community coming together for your wedding celebration
2: yeah, I've heard of so some of our services include sound healing, and a lot of people will do that like right at the start of their bachelorette weekend to ground everyone together. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool! Like, obviously, I think that's cool, but it's really nice that like other people like really see the importance of that. Or like at my wedding weekend, as you're saying, it is really funny the expectation now of, like week weddings being a whole series of events. But on the Saturday of my wedding, that morning, we did a large yoga class, and I just invited any. I opened it up to all the guests if they wanted to come. Um, and we had, like, I think, like, 30 people kick off that morning at, like, 7 a.m. And it was really such a fun, like, beautiful start to the day.
0: Yeah, it was so special, right? It gets people mm-hmm. moving and breathing together. And they yeah. feel like it's another way to bond without there being alcohol involved or, yeah. you know, or in a darker room, you know, you get to see mm-hmm. people. And anyway, anyway, so I think that's so important. And circling back to what I was saying of our first time meeting, you and I connected over us not feeling centered during the wedding process in multiple mm-hmm. ways. One being the planning process. For me, it was also the day of was really mm-hmm. hard to feel centered. And then wedding dress shopping. I think I remember talking to you about not feeling like <laughs> wedding dress shopping. yeah. And and so I think there are multiple events over the whole mm-hmm. wedding planning process where it's not this like shiny, perfect experience that I think there's a lot of press, pressure that it should be.
2: Mm-hmm. There is so much pressure on the wedding experience like and it's so funny because you don't really think about it and then all of a sudden it hits you and you're like whoa um, but I yeah I remember the dressing I felt the same way because I wanted to just really do things like my way for everything in the wedding and I didn't realize how maybe that would affect others also because So much of the wedding experience also does affect family. So I didn't want a traditional like wedding dress purchase experience. Like I wanted to buy mine used and I want, I was like, wanting to be really sustainable with the whole wedding experience I was definitely at like you know an early 20s phase of being like an ego warrior (laughs) now I'm very much like okay corporations like where you at um but like at that time I was like okay I I don't want to like spend money on a wedding dress I'd rather use that those funds for like other parts of the wedding and I'd rather buy my used. you know and only gonna use it once but I didn't realize like you know, my mom and my grandma and my family had all of these beautiful ideas of like, you know, going wedding dress shopping together. And so I really like crushed them by buying my dress online secondhand, which I do feel like now looking back, from am like, oh, like that sucks of me. Like, I wish I would have given them more of that experience to have partake in that fun time, but I was really set on like what I wanted. I did go with them once, just so everyone knows. And we tried on dresses, <laughs> but I still wore the dress I bought online. But um, there's just so much expectation about like this whole wedding dress purchase of how you're supposed to go and like celebrate. And it can be such a fun experience, but if that's just not the experience the person wants, then it's just this unnecessary expectation.
0: Yeah. And I remember getting really caught up in I had some body dysmorphia that happened. And I've never really had body dysmorphia or body image issues. Growing up, I remember feeling like what dress I thought was going to look good on me in my mind when I tried it on, it didn't. And Mm -hmm. I remember it feeling very weird. Uh, My body has to fit the dress, not the dress has to Mm -hmm. fit me. And it totally threw me off. Like It totally threw me off my center. And it was Mm -hmm. something that You know, then this pressure of like needing to feel like you have to look perfect for these photos that are going to be Mm -hmm. glued to your walls for years to come. And I just remember having that fear of even looking at the photos when they came
2: back Mm
0: -hmm. of like, was I happy with them? How do they make me feel? And I remember on our mini moon, not having seen any of the photos, just like how much anxiety I had and mm-hmm. how much loving compassion practice I was giving to myself in that moment because I was like pulling my body apart
1: mm-hmm. instead
0: of like loving my body and being content with what was, you know, because the, the wedding right. had already even happened. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so it was like, even just like my mind catastrophizing, like what I thought these photos were going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I just think that there's like so much that happens during these yes. wedding events and experiences. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is just like have this space for other brides or beings who are getting married mm-hmm. to recognize that they're not alone in this journey.
2: Right. Yeah. And that part that you're mentioning is so real. Like I think there's this huge idea that you have to look, you know, the best you've ever looked on your wedding day. And it I think could be really harmful for people because also like your partner is marrying you for you. Like, but for some reason when it comes to the wedding, we are not thinking about that. And so we're like thinking about all the things we want to change or about ourselves. And it's like, okay, like your person is with you already. Why does it matter for the wedding? But there is all this pressure of like I remember feeling so nervous that everyone's been looking at me as, you know, you walk down the aisle, like, you're going to have a million eyes on you, and if, that, if that's not something you're used to, at that time, I definitely was, like, not used to stuff like that. I remember it really made me anxious, like, the whole idea of, yeah, having all these eyes on you, um, and, like, what, people watching, like, your every movement or expression, um, and I think a lot of couples are choosing to do things differently today, too, which... You know, people doing what's best for them. I know some people do like the first look like beforehand because they don't necessarily want people to see their reactions. Um, or I don't know. I think there's just so many little ways people are changing the wedding. I think also COVID has really changed how weddings build now, where people are really into like micro weddings or elopements and then doing a large reception after. Um, but yeah, I think now that I'm saying this, I would just say like there's so many ways to have a wedding and i think we should never impose like what we want for ourselves onto our friends our family i think that's something that people i remember when i got married since i was like the first of most of the people i knew people would just share like all their ideas with me or like oh what they thought would be super awesome or what they would want and it's like that's not super helpful to tell a bride when also they want something totally different so um i'm now hyper conscious of how I communicate with my friends that are engaged or who are going through this process right now because everyone wants something different and we should let people express themselves without imposing our beliefs.
0: Yeah, and I feel like COVID has given this permission in general, like on a global macro level of effort, there are no rules, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so I have seen too, brides and couples get more creative with Mm -hmm. what they're doing, whether that's not wanting to wear a formal wedding dress, or whether Mm -hmm. that's doing more city hall marriages mm-hmm. and then something else you know it's interesting to just see how people are kind of breaking out of these images and ideals like of
1: mm-hmm. again
0: what a bride needs to look like what a groom needs to look like what the wedding needs to look like you know what even a couple needs to look like mm-hmm. that it needs to yeah. be. permission to be free and to focus on the love mm-hmm. and even have people be more creative with what their ceremonies look like and i remember going back to the wedding planning process my husband and i again we didn't really have much guidance we had this like kind of total freedom so it was like what do we want to create mm-hmm. and it was kind of analysis paralysis yeah. and we grounded into picking three words that got to help us be our anchor and our Mm -hmm. way to collaborate on our vision for the wedding. And Mm -hmm. so if I can remember, I think it was like love community and cozy or something like that. In essence of like how we wanted everybody to feel and be. Did you and your husband, like, how did you guys navigate that when you were having to manage all of the different cultural, religious influences?
2: Okay. First, I just, I love how you chose three words. I think that's so cool. We had like an overall, I guess, theme for how we wanted the wedding experience to feel. So we wanted ours to really feel like summer camp like adult summer camp and get like all of our community together and connect from both sides but when it came to the actual planning and staying centered I don't think we had a word but it was more we would really ground ourselves okay if we were getting caught up in something or if I was like feeling distressed about I don't know something going on I feel like we would have to remind ourselves okay like why are we getting married we're not getting married to have a wedding like we're getting married to be with each other and really root down in the why of things because yeah like you're not getting married just to have an event that's just an outcome of what happens and it doesn't even have to be an outcome but I think just remembering why you and your partner are choosing to like embark on this journey is really important and also setting aside certain time to talk about the wedding and to not talk about the wedding I remember that was a big thing for us Was like it's so easy to let that become your every conversation and so we would choose days of the week that were like our planning night I think we had like two days a week or something that we would do wedding planning in the evenings together and then I would try and be conscious of not like I don't know planning another date night or something so that way every conversation isn't about the wedding because it's really easy to think about that and then also I think when you are so caught up in the wedding and you're like leading up to this big event like there's also this thing like I don't know if you've heard kind of like the bride blues or the wedding blues where After the wedding, it can be kind of a come down because you're looking forward to this event for a really long time or however long it is. And then once it happens, it can be kind of like difficult to go back to normal life. Like you have like a year or whatever it is where you're like the center of the earth. Like all people want to do is talk to you about your engagement and the wedding. And then the wedding comes around and you're like, you know, you don't have any of that. And so that's a really real thing that I think people should talk about more too is like preparing for the after the wedding
0: yes and you know just to circle back to the planning piece you know Mm -hmm. within cisgender couples i feel like there's this expectation that wedding planning falls on the bride on the female on the Mm -hmm. woman and i was very clear from the beginning that i'm not a planner in this sense i mean i am a planner at Mm -hmm. large but i love like life visioning event planning is not my jam. And mm-hmm. I was very clear with my now husband of this is going to be 50-50 planning. This is not, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think getting clear on just expectations because yeah. one of the things I hear and even have had some clients talk about this in our sessions of just like they're feeling like they're constantly having to do all of it versus, mm-hmm. you know, having more of that partnership and how that doesn't feel like a good energy that they want to start their marriage off of. mm mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to build on, you know, what you're saying of it's an event. It's a, it's a celebration. It's not like your partner is choosing you to live your life together. You're working mm-hmm. together to build this relationship. And I think sometimes couples can get caught up in the event portion and not mm-hmm. think about the intention and in putting energy into the relationship and marriage portion. Mm-hmm. You know, some religions do marriage counseling before getting married. If you're doing a non-religious wedding, you know, it's kind of like what structure are you creating for yourselves to do some pre-planning, pre-marital work so that you're on Mm -hmm. the same pages around money, sex, religion, typically are the, you know, top stressors in relationships, but just even like bringing that into the mix because that is Mm -hmm. the essence.
2: Yeah, no, I love that whole concept. That's really important to me. And I think like whenever I have friends getting married, something I actually like to gift a lot of my engaged friends is the book, 10 Things I Wish I Knew Before I Got Married. Or I think that's the title. I think it's the same author who did like the five love languages. I will say that the book definitely is kind of traditional in a lot of ways around marriage. And it's, I think it's probably like, you know, an old white dude who wrote it and is about like a cisgender couple, but but there's a lot of good points in the book. So just take that as a grain of salt. My husband and I did when we were engaged with like every week, we would read a chapter of the book kind of separately and then come together to talk about it. And there's a lot of things that are really important around just like marriage or how you want to set up your relationship or how do you guys want to talk about finances or just things like big topics that do really affect a couple. So I think preparing in that way is really important. And then there are a lot of People, I think it's just harder to seek out, but that do offer some sort of marriage counseling that aren't religious for people who don't have that in their cultures. Because when I first started Love Collective, we I was trying to look at that angle, and see like if that's the service we wanted to provide, and I think that can be really cool. Or even like smaller, if you wanted to get really boo woo with it, like doing you know you and your couples like birth charts and using that as a starting point, dive into conversation about you know where where you guys really agree and where there might be areas to discuss.
0: Or human design or enneagrams.
2: There's like so Mm -hmm. many
0: kind of entry points of learning about each other in a different way, Mm -hmm. setting each other up for for the long term. And I also think what's real is that marriage is like a leap of faith. You know, even if you're with this person or partner for a a long time and you know you want to marry them, There's still Mm -hmm. that sense of faith, of trust, of jumping into it and being able to trust that your relationship is also a journey. That when you get married, it's not like, bam, like we're locked in. Everything must be perfect right now. Because I think that can also be an expectation. I know I fell into that expectation and I really Mm -hmm. had to work with myself of, oh yeah, like this is a continued journey. And do I see that my partner's willing to be on this journey together?
2: Yeah absolutely I think it's really important to remember that like your relationship should evolve like you shouldn't be the same people you were when you first met I think to me that's a sign of not growing so I think it's important to recognize the relationship will change it's more that you're like with that person and you're both evolving together and um, actually like how you mentioned I'm in Mexico right now is that my husband and I have this like we have a relationship rule that we might not get to every year but it's that every year we should each be taking a solo trip and then also like an intentional trip alone so that doesn't mean like with friends it's like you know a alone growth trip and then also an intentional trip together obviously that I mean these are dependent on a lot of factors I don't think I necessarily did this last year or like it could be also been a tiny vacation but just the idea that We're growing independently, but also together in the relationship.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. And the fact that you have co-created that intention with each other is so beautiful because that sounds like a foundation of, you know, how you want to continue to support each other for the long term. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about the day of wedding. I remember just living on adrenaline and I think (laughs) that's really normal for a lot of people just you know there's so much going on and especially if you don't have a full wedding planner that's completely doing everything you don't have to think about Mm -hmm. anything um you know you're still on and i remember feeling so much anxiety that it woke me up really early and um, my husband and I went for a hike in the morning to have like our alone time and then did that yoga class with everybody in the community. And then like you're getting ready and just a few hours later, like the ceremony, you know, just the day mm-hmm. flies by. And I remember doing a meditation before, going out uh to get ready so like having just kind of a moment to myself and taking some time to visualize like the love visualize the connection coming back to even like Mm -hmm. the words that we designed together to help really ground me so i could feel as present as i could and Mm -hmm. i want to acknowledge that it helped but i still didn't feel very present until Mm -hmm. sitting down for dinner where I was like, oh, I get to like share a meal with everybody. I get to like Mm -hmm. taste our food. I get to like connect and actually talk to people at dinner because that was also important for us in our planning process. So that for me was probably the time I felt the most present Mm -hmm. and and grounded. And the rest of the night just felt like this blur and rush of adrenaline and energy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any time through your wedding day where you felt either an ounce of that centered presence mm-hmm. or what was it like for you?
2: Yeah. I think starting the, the day with, yeah. Well, the same thing. I, I could barely sleep the night before we got married and it wasn't like I had, I had a lot of things in place to help me feel supported with like wedding planner like I had a day I had a month of planner actually for our wedding so she helped and then my mom was kind of my mom does events so she was like our wedding planner so I had a lot of people helping but I still could barely sleep just like with the nerves of everyone coming together and how the day was going to unfold so I woke up really early and I first went we got married along the water so I remember what my friend and I got like tea in the morning and went sat by the water and that was such a nice way to just start and then from there, we went to yoga, which helped crown me, which was really nice. But then yeah, the rest of the day was definitely a blur. I just went by really fast. Getting ready though with all my best friends was so fun. I remember we just like put on really fun music, a little flower crown making class for our, for their um, bridal bouquets and stuff. We had the florist come give us a class, which was cute. But then once we hit kind of getting into the ceremony, that's when it all kind of became a blur for me. Like those two hours of doing both of our ceremonies and then going into dinner were yeah, it was <laughs> pretty nerve-wracking. And then for me at the end of the night, everything went by super fast. And I remember at the end of the night um when I went back to the room and then I just bawled Like I feel like I just cried so much. Tears of like love. Like I was like wow like we felt so much love today. Like all these people coming in and celebrating. And it was just like this overwhelming sense of love for my community and people and just this new journey. So that was my wedding night. <laughs> yes. Thank you for bringing that up
0: because before our wedding, so I, we got married in 2018. My wor- One of my words of the year was receive because I noticed receiving was really challenging for me. And I wanted to be able to receive the love, the presence, the experience of our wedding. And I remember really being able to soak in this like joy and light and, and love and something totally shifted in me after our wedding in that, in that aspect of being able to just connect to love more. Mm-hmm. Like I was, it felt more tangible to me. mm mm-hmm. And that was a really beautiful moment. And I don't know if any everybody experiences that, but I did. I really mm-hmm. that taught me how I can always choose love, even yeah, when it's really challenging. Difficult. But like yes. how love isn't is an option. And so for mm-hmm. that moment I am I am really grateful.
2: Yeah. No, it totally shocked me. I would have never expected that. And then my wedding night to come back and just <laughs> full of tears, but in the most joyous way.
0: Yeah. Lilia, thank you for being here to just be an honest outlet to have this exploration of how to practice staying centered. And again, it's a practice on the mm-hmm. wedding journey and creation. Where can people learn more about you and Love Collective?
2: Yeah, no, it's so fun to chat all the things, weddings. And for people who are engaged, definitely start your self-care practice now. But people can find this So L-U-V-Collective.com or on Instagram. And then my personal Instagram is Life by Lilia, L-I-L-I-A. Yeah, would love to connect with everyone.
0: Thanks so much for being here. Thank you thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. If you have a wedding coming up or have a friend or a loved one that has a wedding coming up, please share this episode with them. Tag at One Wade and tag Love Collective and let's support each other staying centered in a stressful and joyous occasion. Until next time, stay centered.